you weren't here with us last week, we began a new series, a little mini-series. We'll get back to our longer series of Tell Me the Story of Jesus. But last week began a five-week series that will take us through the month of January. It's first things first. Uh, 2020 caused a lot of disruptions, would you agree? Um, a lot of things kind of got out of whack. Uh, some of us may have even had our relationship with God disrupted. We may have even gotten off focus of what our priorities are in life. Um, do you all remember the joy of trying to figure out which store actually had the toilet paper? <laughs> when that, I actually texted some of you and asked where you got your toilet paper because there was a time we completely ran out and uh, so I needed to, to figure out where to go. And I remember hitting several stores in Springfield hoping to find you know, that blessed roll. I about became a thief and stole from the church. I'll be honest. I just, <laughs> I just about did it. But um, we had to make decisions this last year that we haven't had to make, like social gatherings. We had to make decisions about those that we've never had to make in our life before, whether to go or to not go. Uh, we had a time where our families were in a lockdown phase and everybody was home and we had to make that decision. When would it be the good time or the right time to leave the house and what's that going to look like and what should we do uh, to protect ourselves? With all that 2020 brought it is time for us now in January in 2021, and who knows what this year is going to bring. Every, every day is an adventure right now, but it's a time to refocus, to get our priorities back in line. So last week we spent our time in the book of Matthew, Matthew 6, where we're told by Jesus to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And today is a continuation of that seeking first as while we seek in life, we're also called to guard. 2020 brought on a lot of new challenges. Caused us to guard a lot more things than we might not have normally guarded. For example, many of us wear masks. Not only to guard ourselves, but maybe to guard the people that will be around, just in case one of us may have that virus that we don't want to name anymore. We had to guard our bodies by hand-washing and sanitizing almost insanely, right? Uh, 2020 was the first year I bought hand lotion. I had to buy hand lotion because my hands were getting so dry and so chapped, I had to get some to start rubbing because we're washing and, and sanitizing so much. But we're used to guarding things. You know, we guard our homes. Uh, we lock the doors at night. We have, some of us have security systems. Some of y'all guard your homes with weapons. We guard our cars by locking them and putting things that may be valuable out of sight just in case someone were to look in and want to take something. We guard our kids by what we're going to allow them to watch, what video games or games we're going to allow them to partake in, what situations we're going to allow them to go and be a part of. If you're married, hopefully you're guarding your marriage by making sure you don't put yourself in circumstances that may compromise your marriage. We guard our finances by making budgets and putting aside money for savings and hopefully re for retire retirement. We guard our pets. We put fences up. We put them on leashes. We chain them somewhere in the yard so they don't run off. Well, this morning we're going to be in the book of Proverbs, chapter 4, verse 23, if you want to look there. The book of Proverbs is a book of wisdom. And because it's a book of wisdom, it can be hard to sit down and read the book from beginning to end in one sitting, because there's a lot of sayings that make this book not flow like any other book in all of Scripture. But in the opening of Proverbs in chapter 1, we're given the purpose for this book in God's Word. 
In verse one, chapter 1, verse 2 through 6, it says, To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instructions in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. Proverbs is a book of sayings meant to guide us in life to make wise decisions. It's a book meant to aid us to understand the things that we may encounter as we go about our life. And all of these decisions we make, all these encounters we have, has to begin by guarding our heart. Verse 23 says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Other translations read it like this, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. So what I'd like to do this morning is first walk through this verse and then answer a couple questions. Why should we guard our heart? What do we guard our hearts from and for? And how do we guard our heart? I grew up reading the New International Version, also known as the NIV, and so I'm more familiar with the way it reads this particular verse when translating from the Hebrew to the English. And I remember the first time I read from the English Standard Version, which is the version I preach out of, I didn't really like it, but that's because I didn't understand the original language Hebrew and how it's translated into English. Ethan, if you want to throw that verse back up here real quick. The word keep means to guard in Hebrew. It means to protect. This is the action to which this verse is commanding us to do. It's to set up a wall of protection around our heart. The heart is the subject of the action. But it doesn't mean our physical heart, like we should watch how many calories we eat or watch our cholesterol level or our sodium intake. Rather, in Scripture, the heart refers to the mind and even the whole personality of the individual. It is the heart to which in Scripture is used to describe the entire internal life of a person. It is the right religious center of that person. In other places in the Old Testament, the word for heart translated from the Hebrew word can also be read as mind or thoughts or even head. The phrase, with all vigilance, as the English standard reads, means more than anything else. The Webster's Dictionary defines vigilance as an intention of the mind in discovering and guarding against danger. The emphasis of this verse is above everything that we guard in this life, we must first and above all else guard and protect our heart. And the reason being is stated in the final part of the verse, for from it, the heart, flow the springs of life. We are to guard our heart because everything we do, everything we think, Everything we say, how we respond to circumstances which life throws at us, are all conditioned by the state of our heart. Jesus said it like this, The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. He also said but what comes from the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this is what defiles a person. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. Everything we do in this life, whether it is good, which means righteous, or evil, meaning sinful, is because of what we have treasured in our heart. 
And so this is why we are to guard our heart, because we live, breathe, and act, and respond to the reactions of the heart. Whatever we have stored in our heart, that is what is going to be manifested in our life when we encounter other people. Daniel and Jonathan Atkin write that the heart is the key and is the source to everything in your life. The heart is the source of the river of your life. It's the command center. Everything you do flows from your heart. The heart is the agent governing all of your body's actions. And so the issue we all have to wrestle with is the heart that we were given at birth. We were given Adam's heart. Our hearts are broken. Our hearts are sinful. And so that's why we produce evil or sinful actions because that was what is in our heart. And though we tend to break things down to particular problems, like they have financial issues, or they have marriage issues, or relationship issues, or they have language problems, they can't really hold their tongue, or maybe they're unfaithful. We may like to break things down into a problem, but the reality of what Scripture says is everything someone does, every problem they have is a reaction to what is in their heart. All of this world's problems, all of anyone's problems are related to their heart problem, the behaviors of politicians, the behaviors of our co-workers, behaviors of our peers, of our fellow classmates, of ourselves, are all reactions to what we have stored up in our heart. And so our actions reveal the state of our heart. We may engage in gossip. What that reveals is that in our heart we have a jealous heart. We have a bitter heart. We have a prideful heart. We actually engage in gossip because we think we're better than someone else. The act of adultery reveals that we have a lustful heart. The Bible says we're disobedient to God because we lack heart. But then it promises that the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may have life. When we fall into temptations, when we sin and we do something foolish, something we know we shouldn't have done, the Bible says that's because in that moment we lacked the heart to love God. People are lazy. And the Bible says the reason people are lazy is because they lack heart. We engage in conversations which belittle another individual who's made in the image and likeness of God because we have sin in our heart. And that sinful heart is overflowing. So if we want to change things in our life and we want to see things changed in this world, the change must first take place at the heart. Otherwise, nothing will ever change. About a week and a half ago, we entered into 2021. Some of us have really high expectations, right? Then we found out that 2021 is 2020's ugly brother. But... When one year ended and a new year began, a lot of us made New Year's resolutions. I make resolutions every year. Some of you don't. You think maybe it's silly. But this year, my resolution was to get back on focus spiritually, mentally, physically, emotionally, relationally. And so to do this, I know there's going to be things in my life I'm going to have to add, and there's going to be things in my life I'm going to have to subtract. And some of us have made resolutions for this new year, and we're going strong, but any here already break them? You already break your new year resolution? Oh, thank you. We've got one honest person in the entire room. Thank you. When it comes to change in our life, when it comes to a change we want to see in our family, 
a change we want to see in our workplace or with our co-workers, a change students that you want to see at school, changes we want to see in our relationships, in our marriage. Behavior modification will only get us so far if we do not engage the heart. We like saying today, like, well, follow your heart or trust your feelings. These are typically associated with behavior modification techniques. But who here has changed a pattern of behavior that you knew was not good to only fall back into it? Anybody ever fail at a diet? It may be our diet, maybe it's watching our words, maybe it's activities we participate in. So we say, I'm going to go on a diet, I'm going to change my behavior of eating, but then I go to my favorite restaurant that has my favorite meal, and what do I do? Just this one time, I swear. <laughs> God forgives. <laughs> we say we're going to change our words, we're not going to use words we know that aren't uplifting other people, but that moment we get cut off in traffic, that word bounces around in our head. We may not have said it, but we, we realize it's still there. We tell ourselves we're not going to put ourselves in situations and, and to be a part of certain activities because we know it's not good for us. And yet when our friends call and invite us, we, we convince ourselves it'll be all right. I'll be smart about this. I won't do anything wrong. But then we fall back into the habit we say we weren't going to do. Why does this happen? Why do patterns break? Because behaviors all stem from the heart. And so if our heart is bad, our actions are going to be bad. And if we truly want to see change in our life, it begins by guarding our heart. Returning to Daniel and Jonathan, they write that behavior modification is like mowing dandelions. You can mow over the dandelions and your lawn will look good, but a day or two later the dandelions have popped up again because you did not address the root. Behavior modification treats the surface issue, but it does not dig down to the source. The problem is in our heart. That is the source if we do not deal with the sin and foolishness at the heart level, then even if we mildly try to modify the behavior, it will find new ways to pop into our lives. And so to guard our heart, we have to understand what fuels our heart. What do we guard our heart from? What do we guard our heart for? Because we have to understand the heart, the impacts of the heart. What impacts our heart? Movies? Television shows? Books, magazines, conversations, students that maybe bus rides, locker jokes. It might be just conversations with people that aren't Christ-like. Basically, everything in our life impacts our heart in one way or another. It's either for the good or it's going to be for evil. How many here have watched a scary movie and then that night had a bad dream? Because it impacted your heart. I can remember when I was younger playing a video game so much. It was a race car game, and I played it so much that day. When I went to bed and closed my eyes, my brain was still driving down the road, and I was still zigging back and forth because it had impacted my heart all day. When I was younger, we lived in the Kansas City area, and we would go to Worlds of Fun every now and then. There was a ride there called Uncle Tom's Barrel. Basically what happened is you get into this barrel-like thing and you stood up against the wall and then it started spinning. And as it spun faster and faster, the floor dropped off. And so you're just basically stuck to the wall until the floor comes back up. 
And I remember getting off that ride and not only being dizzy, but my legs being shaky because just that experience, that 30-second experience, had impacted my heart. Images from books, magazines, Facebook, all impact our heart, either for good or for evil. Conversations impact our heart and the way we view people and the way we view places. Everything we engage in in life is impacting our heart, either for good or bad, for righteousness or sinfulness. I know music is touchy, but I also know there's many students here and maybe some adults need to hear this. Lyrics impact your heart. And believe it or not, students, I was a teenager just like you at one point in time. Matter of fact, everyone here at least went through teenage years some point. Believe it. I mean, and everyone here, I'm guessing, said this at one point in time to their youth pastor, their pastor, maybe their parents. Well, I don't listen to the lyrics. I just like the beat. That's been the lie since Elvis Presley and the Beatles, right? <laughs> I, just, I just like the beat. I like the way it sounds. Well, students, if that's really the case in what you're listening to, adults, if that's really the case in what you're listening to, then buy the no-track lyric. You can do that these days. Almost any song, you can buy the no-track lyric. Before the COVID days happened, uh, Jamie and I and the kids, we were at a restaurant, and we were sitting there waiting for our food to come, and a song came over the restaurant speakers. And I, I began to laugh and smile because... Jamie started doing this. I know, preacher's wife dancing in public. Pray for her. Just pray for her. But I, I, I looked at her, and I smiled, and she saw me smiling, kind of laughing in my head about her doing this. And, and she said, what? Said, you know what that song is? No, but I like the beat. Well, I knew what the song was from my heathen days as a teenager when I listened for the beats. And so I googled the song, and I showed her the lyrics to the song. And she says, oh, well, it just has a really fat beat. I know, she is gangsta <laughs> to the core. Gangsta to the core. But it became an inside joke. That's her ringtone now. She liked the beat. You didn't know the preacher's wife was so hardcore, did you? <laughs> Pray for her, just don't cross her, okay? That's, that's all you gotta do. Pray, but don't cross her. But one way, simple way to guard the impacts of our heart is by guarding the situations we put ourselves in. And even guarding the company we keep. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. And where do our morals come from? Our heart. The Bible tells us, whoever walks with the wise will become wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. It instructs us to leave the presence of a fool, for there you do not meet words of knowledge. I think the truth of this passage and the, the command we're given in guarding or keeping our heart is something that we have seen the lack of this last week. Now, even before Wednesday happened, and, and I don't need to know your perspective on Wednesday. Everyone's got a perspective, and 
I it, whatever. But even before Wednesday happened, a Monday morning, Representative Emanuel Cleaver opened up the 117th Congress with a prayer. And you may have seen this on Facebook, you may have seen this on the news, but in case you didn't, because Wednesday's actions pretty much made us forget the beginning of the week. Emmanuel Cleaver used to be a pastor in Kansas City. Matter of fact, he's still an ordained Methodist pastor. He drew his prayer to a close in the 117th Congress by saying, Amen and a woman. What he did, when he did that, he said he did it to promote inclusion and diversity. Those are his words. But the word amen that we say at the end of our prayers is not a gender word. When we say amen at the end of our prayers, what we're doing is we're signing off everything we just prayed to, to God, and say, so be it according to your will. Amen. I give you full permission to handle what's on my heart the best way possible. When Cleaver ended his prayer by saying amen and a woman, all he said is so be it and a woman. The problem it created is people who don't know God's word and don't know God because many articles who reference Mr. Cleaver not only referenced him as a representative, but they still referenced him as a pastor. Now how can a pastor get so far away from biblical truth? Just as easily as you and I can by not guarding our heart and allowing the ways of this world to impact it. So how do we guard our hearts from what the world is trying to preach and what the world is trying to put in there? By keeping our heart in the Word of God. The verses leading up to verse 23 in the chapter 4 of Proverbs, in verse 20 it says, My son. Now just a little helpful hint. Anytime you're reading through the Proverbs, when you come across that phrase, My son. Think of it in this way. God, your Father, speaking directly to you, His child. And so God is saying, My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. In the same chapter, just a few verses earlier, in verses 4 through 5, it says, Let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom, get insight, and do not forget, and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Where do we get wisdom from? In Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6, it says, For the Lord gives wisdom, and from His mouth come knowledge and understanding. Where do we get this knowledge and insight from? It's from the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. And how do we keep from forgetting these things? By continuing to look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who is the living Word of God. The only way we guard our heart from what Facebook, the media, our friends, co-workers, anybody is trying to pour in there that isn't truth is by being, having our heart in the Word of God. Clinging to it. Remembering it. Memorizing it. Having it ready. And so we keep our heart, we guard our heart in the Word by faith. 
The Bible says in the book of Ephesians, In all circumstances take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation, the sword of spirit, which is the word of God. We are promised in God's word, as God's people, we have the springs of life inside of us, which are longing to flow out into this world. Jesus said in John 7, he says, Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But for these waters to flow, it begins by us individually guarding and keeping and protecting our heart. Perhaps this morning we need to lift up the prayer of the psalmist. Psalm 51, it says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. This psalm was written by King David. What was going on in King David's life at this time is he had just allowed the lust in his heart to lead him to the act of adultery with Bathsheba. And he tried to hide it. He tried to lie about it. He tried to get away from it. But God sent a prophet named Nathan to call David out. And when he did that, David wrote this psalm, Lord, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. He goes on to write, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. David understood he had sinned against God. He allowed the evil in his heart to bubble out and create an action which was not pleasing to God. Perhaps our prayer today, not only for our nation, but for us individually, Lord, create in me a clean heart. Renew a joy of your salvation, the salvation you have given me, so that I might protect that joy. This is what we truly need, and we are given this promise in God's Word. And God will supply every need of yours to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And it is God who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. Lord, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. That should be our prayer. Because otherwise we'll just be just like the world when we look out and see what's going on. And we'll allow that to impact our heart. And then the things that will come out of us will not be godly. Lord, help me guard my heart. Clean my heart. Restore my heart. Put joy back in my heart. Because the joy the Lord gives us isn't based upon circumstances. It isn't based upon the news. It's a joy this world didn't give us. And it's a joy this world can't take away from us. Because we belong to Him. Maybe that's the prayer we need to lift up. But there's one more thing we need to touch on before we leave. If you're here this morning and Jesus Christ is not your Lord and Savior, your heart is unguarded. It is unprotected from the enemy who wants to steal, steal kill, and destroy you. But God has brought you here by His grace and His mercy to change that to put a hedge of protection around your heart and your life. And it begins by accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, just as our two little guys did. If you're here this morning and you know that's something you need to do, it begins by admitting that you're a sinner. To be a sinner means you do things you know that aren't pleasing to God. You do things you know that aren't right. It's because in your heart there's sin. 
You can't get rid of that yourself, but Jesus Christ came. God sent him to die on the cross for all of our sins. And he did just that. They placed him in a tomb and he rose three days later. That anyone who would confess Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior would be forgiven, be given a new heart, and given the promise of his salvation and eternal life. And if you're here this morning, God is extending this gift to you. We have a time invitation. I'm going to ask Nick and Bridget to come up and lead us. If you know that's you, if you know that Jesus is not protecting your heart and you want that to change, I'm going to invite you to come down and say, Pastor Mike, I want to be saved. I want Jesus as my shield and my protector. Maybe you're here and you're a child of God and you know that 2020 has brought on some things that were not holy and pleasing to God. And some things from your heart festered up. Maybe you just need to come and kneel before the Father and say, Lord, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Return to me the joy of your salvation. This is a time of invitation. It's when we become doers of God's word and not just hearers. I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask you to respond. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for loving us. Lord, thank you for giving an instruction in your word to protect our heart. Lord, give us a heart that longs after you that pants for you, that longs to see you glorified through our life. Father, I pray your Spirit reveal anything in our heart that needs to be changed, to be rebuked and disciplined. And Father, just give us the strength to follow where you're leading us. Show us how to do it. Show us how to repent of that sinfulness that we've allowed to treasure up in our heart. Pray for those here this morning who do not know you as their Lord and Savior. Lord, that their hearts would be drawn to you in this moment and they would walk down the aisle and let it be known they want you as their Lord and Savior to be saved and forgiven. Thank you for the two testimonies of Caleb and Drew. Thank you for being so good to us and loving us. Forgive us if we failed you in any times we've been in your word and pray us all in the name of Jesus.